This Dharma Talk was presented at the Austin Zen Center in Austin, Texas. For more information, visit austinzencenter.org. Good morning. Oh, this is going to be so weird. <laughs> I, I realize how, um, how reliant I am on um, being face-to-face. And while we are face-to-face, it's so remote. <laughs> But, um, but anyway, um, it's really good to see people. So thank you uh, very much for being here and for not being out in public right now. Um, I, I realized that, um, I think it was yesterday, I realized that I had completely missed Buddha's birthday which is celebrated in our school on April 8th. Just how much the time has uh, shifted or our, my um, awareness of time has really been turned uh, upside down or sideways or cattywampus. Um, I realized it yesterday and uh, it's like, wow, that, that says something to completely I, mean, I think I remember even being on April 8th and thinking something like, there's something I'm forgetting. <laughs> but anyway, happy birthday, Buddha. <laughs> and um, I also realized that this weekend is um, also the weekend for Christians to celebrate the, um, the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So there's lots of coming and going right now in our religious psyches. Um, And yet here we are um, in a new world, this world of uh, sheltering in place. And um, all of us in this world together are facing what this new reality, this new normal means despite the fact that um, so many people are having so many different experiences. I just want to acknowledge that um, as I sit here and the cats tear around the place and it's uh, kind of a nice day out, not yet too hot, not too cold, um, feeling relatively safe and at ease There are people who have been working around the clock, first responders, medical staff, people who are putting themselves uh, uh, in harm's way to be of benefit, to take care. And then there's people who have lost their jobs, who are struggling with losing uh, their places of uh, safety and security. Um, And then there are people who are kind of bored (laughs) at this point Um, and I hear from many different people about the wide range of feelings uh, and emotions that are coming up for each of us during this time. One of them, one of these emotions is uh, the feeling of fear, apprehension, anxiety, comes and goes. 
And then the feeling of, um, uh, what do I do? How can I help? How can I be of benefit? So during this time, I'm reminded of, uh, well, lots of different koans have come to my mind. Um, actually, this morning, I was, when I was taking a shower, I was thinking about giving a talk, and uh, I'll admit, I felt a little panicked <laughs> thinking about what could I possibly say that would be, um, that would reach people given how everyone is in different places, even though we're all actually in the same place. While I was in the shower thinking, I nearly, uh, I nearly fell. I was scrubbing my legs and I slipped in the shower and had a moment of uh, uh, trying to find my balance. And um, the immediate thought that I had as I found my balance was, whew, that was close. That was close. And one of the things that all of us can do at this time is not put ourselves in danger, not take unnecessary risks, so as to not uh, need medical attention. Actually, it's one of the one of the most important things we can do during this time is not need medical attention, um, if at all possible. But while I was in the shower thinking, um, I thought about the koan. Uh, I can't remember which koan where it where it exists in the in the records, but the koan where uh, Zhao Shu or Zhou Shu was asked by a student. What do we do when times of great difficulty are upon us? How should we meet them? And Joshu's answer was welcome. So welcome, welcome everyone to this life, to your life, to your practice. As you find your way, uh, inside, as you find your way inside to um, touch deeply the ground of your own being as we meet each day after day and moment after moment. Um, this time actually uh, reminds me of one of my teachers, Myogen Steve Stuckey, who many of you know, reminds me of the, the time this, these past, actually this, these past weeks of shifting gears and moving from being a uh, functioning temple with bells to ring and people to meet and uh, altars to cheat in and incensors to sift ash out of, um, as we transitioned from having a uh, highly functioning temple to being scattered and coming together only via this um, amazing technology. Um, as we move from, you know, to move everything onto online, 
uh, it's felt from from where I sit, it's felt very busy. It feels like a time of great uh, busyness. And um, in some ways, uh, the, the busyness is around how to prepare, actually. And I just want to thank um, you all heard, I think, from Wendy, uh, who mentioned the volunteer. She's become our volunteer coordinator and setting up these systems. And amidst all this uh, showing up and, and asking the question, how can I be of benefit? How can we be of benefit to one another and to the world? Um, can be a very big time of busyness. And uh, I bring up Myogan and Steve Stuckey because back in uh, 2008, 12 years ago now, amazingly, wow, uh, at Tassajara Zen Mountain Center, 2008, we were in a, a situation where we were, had the opportunity to, to be welcoming to great difficulty not like this, but the difficulty of having a wildfire um, come to Tassajara that summer. And when we found out that the fire was only two days away, we scrambled, changed our whole schedule, and everyone uh, basically just got to work preparing for the fire, taking away all the leaves from under the cabins, cutting back trees, digging fire line, taking away all the combustibles, protecting the propane tanks, protecting the pumps. Um, a couple years before that, I had the uh, honorable position of being the fire marshal and training crews, making sure everybody had something that they could do. So hose crew, pump crew, ready for anything crew. I think everybody was in the ready for anything crew. Immediate response crew, medical crew, communications crew. And this whole concert of activity set up to, uh, to meet great difficulty. During that time, um, I think at one point we stopped sitting we were working around the clock. And so we had a, we stopped having a formal period of Zaza and the Zendo is still open. But I look back on that time. I thought about it just the other day. I can't believe we stopped sitting. And at the same time, when you're, when in the midst of it, it made sense to, um, to get rest because the fire was on its way. It could arrive at any moment. And seeing evacuation, we had three evacuations um, during that time. Each time, the scramble and the rush and the, the frenzy, um, there was this sense of um, anxiety to the future, fear. But at the same time, right alongside that busyness, there's the one who's not busy. Who is that one who's not busy? 
amidst the fear and any anxiety or apprehension about what's to come, right alongside that, there can be one who is not afraid, one who is not apprehensive. How do you find that one? How do you welcome that one as well, alongside the one who has the fear, who has the anxiety? Another story, um, another Zen story that uh, came to mind was the, this one about busyness, where Yunyan and Dawu were together, and Yunyan was sweeping the ground. Dawu looked at him and said, Too busy. Yunyan said, You should know there is one who is not busy. To which Dawu said, Well, if so, then there is a second moon. Yunyan then raised his broom in his hand and said, Which moon is this? What is the meaning of this koan? Dawu tried to poke at his Dharma brother by saying, you're creating a duality by saying that there's one who is not busy. You're splitting things apart, to which Yunyan comes back with, be here right now in this present moment. This moon right here in this moment so as we, uh, as we settle or get disturbed and settle again into uh, the reality of our lives, as we find ourselves in whatever situation that we're in, how do we settle deeply and allow for both sides? For all sides? How do we embrace this moment, whether it's making breakfast in the morning, picking up the mail, putting on your mask and going out for supplies, going to work for those of you who are going somewhere to work? How do we come back to uh, this feeling of um, allowing what is to be what is? This welcoming that I'm talking about, where does it come from? How do we show up? Do we have to have our best dress on? Do we have to have a great aspiration to show up? What's necessary? Is there something that we can do to prepare ourselves for showing up? It reminds me of uh, the day before a sashin, a long, especially a long sashin would start. Um, People would sometimes ask the question, are you ready for Sashin? And I always thought it was kind of a funny question. How do you get ready 
for sitting and being ready for anything? How do you prepare yourself for accepting the entire universe to unfold in your life? Here's where I want to ask that question of you. How do you prepare? What do you do? Do you do anything? When you sit Zazen, what are you doing? Are you doing anything? Zazen's not passive, right? Zazen is an active, uh, a very active, I don't want to say activity. <laughs> what is it? What is Zazen? Opening and opening and opening, not letting anything, uh, not leaving anything out, but opening to what is, to what's unfolding as much as possible with an open heart and with curiosity asking this question, what is this? Who am I? During these times, I imagine that all of us are coming up against these very questions. When so much of what we think and believe to be us, to be our identity, may be uh, up in the air maybe ungraspable, our center, where do we find it? Sometimes we um, construct a self. Many times we construct a self and that self is something that we need to protect, right? Or so we think we need to protect and defend and we get rigid in that protecting and defending. And we can feel that in our bodies. And during this time, as we notice, as we open to what is, what's unfolding, I hope that, um, I, I kind of have the impression that all of us here in this space right now, and many people who have a, who've taken refuge in their practice, um, that this question of welcoming is one that we're familiar with because we've tested it out. I feel, um, I feel so grateful that we have this practice and that, uh, I think today was the first day that we ran a beginner's instruction online. I hope that went well. I see some nodding, smiling faces. So uh, again, to bring out, um, bring forward this practice for those who may not have it, who may not know it, um, is of great benefit. In these times as well, um, I've seen such great kindness. All of the normal barriers, we have an opportunity here to really look deeply at the things that we've held on to and let go. 
finding a new way to be with one another without necessarily any effort, actually. I noticed that people are, uh, I'm sure you have the whole gamut, right? So there was a time a few weeks ago here in Austin, I think people were making runs on the grocery stores and uh, no toilet paper was in sight for many, many places, right? Understandable, out of fear, out of a need to protect, defend, bolster against and at the same time that people are rushing out there are people looking to what is needed i don't know about all of you but i have seen some great kindness in these days i'm very um I feel such warm heartedness towards um, just the people who I've been interacting with here in the Sangha. Um, we have a number of people who have stepped forward and have offered support in so many different ways um, from making, from making masks and distributing them like this one right here <laughs> that was just given to me yesterday by one of our Sangha members. People bringing food, sharing supplies. May that continue um, and deepen. Some of the most challenging times are ahead of us. And when I say that, what happens in the body? Is there a bracing? Is there a, a holding of the breath? When we imagine the future, it's very easy to fall into um, patterns of, of uh, that kind of energy of uh, apprehension, anxiety, fearfulness, at the same time, to turn towards the future with a feeling of, um, how can I help? How can I show up? Again, without so much thinking, right? Of course, we are planning and caring and taking actions now to provide for our future selves our future loved ones. But when we turn towards that with this, uh, you know, the expectation that something is going to happen can always be there. And yet, when we meet it, when it comes, just like when the fire came at Tassajara, the presence right there, being right there with what's happening now. Um, how do we trust that? That that presence is always available to us, even when it isn't. I 
think there's a certain amount of uh, trust or um, maybe confidence even in knowing that that presence is available at all times. Even if it's just a little bit that is uh, that we turn towards, that we open the door to, right alongside the presence of what's happening in this moment, the presence of uh, that's there for whatever arises in terms of our mental formations about our ideas or thoughts, conceptions that may pull us away. How do we stay present even to that? Maybe even especially allowing space for sometimes um, allowing space for that which is uncomfortable is the most compassionate thing we can do. Noticing that feeling of tension in our bodies, that's where we feel it first, right? We feel in our body, directing our attention to that, bringing that awareness and that feeling of what is this? I call it curiosity, but that's a, that's almost too much words <laughs> to say curiosity. It's too much. Even before the word curiosity, to turn towards, that's what I mean by this welcoming. The call and the response. There's a, um, there's a way that we, um, we exhaust ourselves so unnecessarily by thinking, by worrying. Not to say that the thinking and the worrying doesn't have a place and that it doesn't help us to, um, to prepare, to take up logistics of how do we support our first responders. As Tim, Tim mentioned, the Dharma Relief uh, Organization, 100% of uh, donations to that go directly to providing um, surgical masks to those first responders and medical staff who need them the most. Right? These things are, are popping up. People are coming uh, forward with this bodhisattva vow of showing up for the world. Right? Where does this come from? It's the same, it comes from the same source. It's the same source, all of it. Sometimes it looks like anxiety. Sometimes it's put into action. So we do what we can in the time of doing. And alongside that time of doing, we try and find the ground, the ground beneath us. We open ourselves to our immediate surroundings. We feel the warm air on our skin. 
We hear the sound of frogs at night, maybe, birds during the day, touching the ground, returning again and again to this breath, this body, this moment. And so in doing, this is our welcoming in times of difficulty. I think that's mostly what I wanted to say today. Actually, there's a lot of other things that I'm I'm sure I've forgotten. Um, But maybe I can open it up to questions at this time. I'm not sure how to do that. I think people can just unmute themselves. They're welcome to do that. There used to be a raise hand setting on Zoom, but I'm not able to see that right now. Comments? Yes. Uh, I think I unmuted myself. Thank you for those words. Thank you. Marco, I have a quick question. Yes. Um, I I think you and I were talking about this the other day. Um, There's some part of, you know, when the moment happens, like when the fire comes, um, there's something I trust in facing the immediate moment, but it's the waiting for that moment to come uh, (laughs) somehow more difficult. you, hurry you, up and wait. It's a hurry up and wait feeling. Yeah. Stress out and wait. Stress out and wait. Yeah. So, is there what? What can you say about the practice of um, maybe just waiting? Mm. Oh, this is my friend Patience. <laughs> <laughs> one of the uh, the fourth of the Parmitas, and probably one of the most challenging for many of us is that of patience. Yeah, it's one of the biggest antidotes to. Uh, it's actually the biggest antidote to anger, right? This feeling of frustration, wanting to like be able to do something and not be able to do. Yeah, right. That's a really great question, Tim. Thank you very much. Um, reflecting on uh, this teacher, this teacher of uh, um you know, the biggest teachers that we have is the adversity that we, we encounter, right? And actually knowing that I find very helpful, um, knowing that when things are easy and going our way, not so challenging to practice. Well, actually, maybe it's even really challenging to practice. It's hard to stay um, engaged and present when things are just going fine. Right? It may seem like it's easy, but maybe it's only because it's easy. So in times of difficulty where, um, you know, this feeling that you're expressing, Tim, of this, uh, this hurry up and wait, right? How, how do we meet whatever is coming up? So in that, um, you know, to feel the energy in the body, and it could come out anyway. It comes for me. It comes out in my in my stomach. Most I feel it in my stomach, a feeling of tension or tightening, 
Um, you know, one of the things, one of the ways that, uh, that we can practice being ready for anything, right, without, uh, uh, it's like, what does it look like to be ready for anything? Imagine the, the frog on the lily pad, right, waiting for the fly to come by, right? The, the frog is not rigid and tight, wound up. In fact, the more that we tighten and brace ourselves, um, the worse off we'll be when the impact happens, right? Um, we see this borne out in, um, you, know, uh, you know, car accidents, or times when, when people are bracing for something to happen, in a, the anticipation makes us tighten, right? We can, as one, one possible response to that anticipation is to tighten ourselves and to think that that's somehow helping, right? That we're preparing ourselves by getting tight and constricted. It's like, no, <laughs> no. How do we find flexibility and relaxation and the only way that I know when is to be open to noticing what's happening inside, to be able to turn our attention to it, not in a sense of I'm going to try to change this or fix it, but how do we stay connected to, open to, like um, sometimes in Zazen even, if there's something, you know, I will in my own mudra, the cosmic mudra, I'll imagine that, that that tension or that disturbance is somehow that I can hold it in these hands, that I can feel it and stay connected to it, noticing its rippling effects through my body, right? Because it could be on, on one breath, it could feel like, oh, no, here comes the tension. And you feel, you know, your muscles contract, just staying with and letting go, letting go, being close to, right? In, in such a way, uh, we develop a relationship with the places that most scare us, including ourselves, right? When we're scared, it's what, that's what we're, oftentimes what we're scared of is our own response. You know, what I'm gonna say, what I'm gonna do in those moments, right? It's amazing because how we take care right now so it's uh, it's kind of amazing how uh, how much the Dharma and our practice comes to bear on these times. I'm uh, just noticing over and over the the numerous times where just seeing some teaching in what's arising with this you know during this pandemic, um, noticing our interconnection in good ways and bad ways, <laughs> right? And so, um, yeah, how do we, how do we uh, stay close to, make room for um, what's happening, whether it's positive, negative, or neutral, right? And that's what we're cultivating when we sit zazen. We're opening to this moment. Whatever this moment brings, open to the next moment, open again, open again. Noticing when we're not feeling so open, actually, and that's deep practice, right? If we feel open all the time, how is that? How are we practicing with opening <laughs> when we're already feeling open? Right? 
Are there any other questions? I'm looking at the chat and I don't. Any other comments? Any other, um, uh, any other ways that people uh, may want to share about how they stay connected to themselves during this time? Marco, I wanted to ask a question about the connection um, between adversity and generosity and this heightened sense of, um, I don't know, obligation or even just an emotional connection to the people around us. Um, just wanted you to speak a little bit more about that. Um, say, say more, David. I'm not sure if oh, what you're you're asking. So, I mean, one of the um, ironies uh, for me sometimes is the most difficult periods in your life can be the times in which you feel the most personal connection with the people around you and certainly the people who are going through a difficult event. You know, even, for example, perhaps the fire that you experienced at Tassajara. Mm -hmm. And that that connection also seems to um, encourage a certain amount of generosity and dedication mm. with other people. It's like that there, there's just like this visceral sense of when you're sharing an intense experience like that, that it brings folks together. Yeah, yeah, and, and it certainly can, and it has, and will continue to, I think. Amidst, I mean, at the same time, there's people who are doing all kinds of crazy, crazy things at this time, like getting together in large congregations. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so, so you have the whole range, but um, I think what you're asking or you're, what you're pointing to is this, is this interconnected interconnection that we have. Um, but staying connected to the, um, you know, this, to, to one another, despite, um, despite differences, right? We find our humanness. When I'm when I'm out and about and walking around, not very very much right these days. But when I see people, and there's this, you know, just walking down, for example, walking to the store from from where I live, and on the sidewalk, and people walk by, there's a there's a distancing, right? We're all we're playing, the, we're doing this distancing as we're you know moving bodies moving. Uh, down the street, right? But there's this acknowledgement of we're doing this to to help, right? This is doing we're doing this out of a sense of responsibility and ethics and of care. So, again, when we put on a mask, are we protecting ourselves? We might be, but actually, we're protecting other people. Right? When we stay at home. Is it done in, in, with the intention of protecting ourselves, protecting others? Protect just a, a sense of protection, right? I don't know if that's at all speaking to what you're, you're bringing up. Um, how, how each of us is in this 
finding this opportunity to um, be connected amidst this this uh, amazing amount of disconnection. I mean, I know some people have told me they've not left the house or been with another person in weeks. How to um, how to see that interconnection when the normal the normal ways that we feel connected may not be there, right? How do we share things? Um, one of the one of the projects that we started that many of you may have already seen, we're sharing some pictures of our own home uh, altars and some words, sharing some words about uh, the space that we create at home to sit. And when we sit together and we um, when we sit at home, how do we maintain the feeling of we're sitting with everyone for the benefit of the world? Do you feel that way when you sit? Are you taking great care when you sit? Not in an idealistic way, right? I mean, our idealism can get the best of us sometimes and to actually take us away from um, touching deeply what's, what's inside, right? So how do we make that space to allow for what's there really in a felt sense, not in an intellectual way? Right? So when we notice ourselves thinking about whatever it is that we're thinking about, doom and gloom, or the appreh apprehension of what is, is to come, our imminent uh, or not so imminent uh, uh, death, right? when we think about things, it's very easy to be pulled away from this present moment. Right? How do we come back to being here? right now, together, actually? How do we keep coming back to just this, right? Sometimes people find it very easy um, to, not easy, but uh, sorry, sometimes people find it very challenging when the routine is disrupted. I don't know about you, but like, even though the schedule is continuing, I find this, having a schedule can be very grounding right? And to have that disrupted, have our normal routines disrupted, it makes, it, it's of tremendous benefit to, um, to pay attention to those small little ways that we, uh, you know, maybe even small, you could call them rituals, like when you get up in the morning, you know, do you have a ritual? Do you have a first thought? Do you you know, do you brush your teeth? Do you make a cup of coffee? Do you stretch? Like having something that is that you connect to almost as a ritual on the level of a ritual. Like how do we um, find ourselves uh, staying connected, right? not being um, swept away in something like our, our fears, our anxieties, our uh, the, the, heard the term recently this past week of uh, anticipatory grief, right? Anticipation is about the future and what might may come. Oftentimes, somebody shared with me uh, 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 some writing uh, by a doctor that my a friend knows, um, talking about the feeling of fear, being a doctor and being... Um, very aware of the risks that he had been, he was putting himself 
in by his, you know, by his oath. And amidst that, making friends with what is, welcoming this, be you turning towards it like this. Okay, there's a there's a feeling of protectiveness, but something happened when this particular doctor connected to his fears that they somehow dissolved and he just showed up. We do that actually really without effort when the time is there. I think we actually do that. It's when things are distant in the future that we create ideas around them and then we brace and we, uh, we tighten. How can those times when we're bracing and tightening become our mindfulness bells? It's so easy to be swept up in thinking about, um, you know, what's to come or, or even thinking about what's happening, what's unfolding as we watch the news. If for those of you who are watching news, um, you know, it's very easy to get angry and, um, Again, feeling that tightness that comes from, no, <laughs> this is not okay. Right? How do we turn that around? Not to say that we sweep it under the rug and say, oh, no, no, everything is fine. Everything's going to be okay. This is not about making, um, you know, finding our peace with what's, what is, is not complacency. It doesn't look like complacency. It's not passivity. It's a very active process showing up is an active process making space for what is is a very active process but it doesn't have anything to do with thinking not to say that there's not a space for thinking right not to say that there's not a space for having desires having a wish having wanting things to be a different way right we make space for that as well but how do we not get yoked to and dragged off by, you know, dragged into the into the weeds by our desires turning turning into something deeper, like craving, where we can't stop our compulsion, right? To be angry, to be afraid, right? But at the same time, I keep I think this this um, you know knowing in the midst of a frenzy or in the midst of anxiety, knowing that there is one who is not frenzied, there is one who is not anxious, right? It may be a very small one in us that's not afraid, right? But there's one who is not busy. If we open to that small little sliver, right? We feel into that small sliver. We, I, I think we can all find it, and we don't have to make it into a thing either. Think of it as just a moment that arises, along with every other moment, moment after moment, arising, arising and ceasing. Are there any other comments? Any other 
expressions of uh, anything that people want to express? To each other? Yes, Turo. Just wanted to say, apropos of um, having a schedule or having a routine and, and showing up for Zazen, um, I've been very touched by the ways in which people all around the world are creating different rituals, either adapting ones they have, adapting to the reality, or um, and often expressing their uh, love and appreciation. So New York City, every evening at 7 o'clock, all over town, people are clapping and making noise to thank the caregivers, the first responders, and that's happened in other parts of the world too. And um, I find those kinds of uh, impromptu rituals really uh, mm. encouraging. They just they touch me. So just yeah. wanted to say this is you know a worldwide phenomenon. Even for people who don't have practice, something sometimes can come up, and um, it's generosity and it's love and it's appreciation. Yeah. Support. Yeah. Uh, Yes, is that Josh? It is, I'm here. In, in Hyde Park, I don't know if anyone else can hear this, but in, on my block, people are howling. Oh, yeah, I've heard about this howling. Yeah, they get together at 8 p.m. and they howl. And there's like a sign. I guess that's how they organized it, is they posted signs around the neighborhood. It's wild. <laughs> Did you want to say anything more about the howling? No, I just, I just wanted to acknowledge <laughs> that people are howling out there in the yeah. There's some there's some weird weird shit going on <laughs> in my neighborhood. <laughs> um, yeah, there's uh, uh, you know some some things that are uh, that people are connecting. You know, people are finding their connections uh, in the in the strangest places. But but yeah, howling. The uh, Chora, when we were talking about the um, the singing on the balconies in Italy, right? Some some really um, there's the whole gamut right, of expressions, as one would imagine to, uh, for us human beings, that there would be um, a whole wide spectrum of responses. And we notice ourselves like, you know, feeling uplifted by some responses and really down by others. And that makes complete sense, right? Um, and we know that the great way is not difficult for those with no preferences, right? Michael Wenger used to say of that koan that it was a joke, <laughs> that, that this is a joke. This koan is a joke. Like, yeah, there's no, you know, no difficulty, no difficulty. Just stop having likes and dislikes. Good luck. <laughs> Not having likes and dislikes. How do we make room for our likes and dislikes? Right? And not be necessarily led by our likes and dislikes. But coming back to this question, right? How can I be of benefit in this world? What does this situation, this moment, this person in front of me, what do these things ask of me? How do I do no harm? Right? And I don't know about you, but uh, I have very strong, like, type A person in my myself <laughs> who's like no we need to be doing something and if we're not doing something then the, the you know it's almost like the doing is what helps the anxiety you know 
get taken care of because, okay, we can do something. We can do something. Right? So I've had to really, you know, be with my doer right? and, and find a way to be um, in the midst of, uh, honestly, uh, you know, there can be, I have a frantic part that, that wants to make sure that, uh, that, that we're ready for when things get really bad and that, um, you know, it's like during, it's like, it really reminds me of the time before the fire where, you know, I had at that time I was the head of the kitchen. So, um, it was, it was a, it was a strange time where sometimes there would be a couple of people in the Valley to cook for. And other times there would be, you know, 40 inmates from a prison, uh, trail crew that were needing to be fed. Right. And so, and then it would change on a dime. Oh, the 40 people who were here, actually, they just left. So you just made food for 40 and, you know, so like this, how to, how to roll with the, um, the up and down of, you know, things not going the way they, we think we, they should. How do we, um, you know, find within ourselves a little bit of kindness around our situation, right? How do we ground ourselves in a kindness towards ourselves and a, um, when we can find it, a little bit of humor, right? Not a ha-ha, like, oh, I'm laughing at some part of me that's anxious. Not, not like that at all, but a, a humor that's, uh, that's kind of like a, you imagine a loving parent, you know, who sees their, their child who's, um, you know, distressed about something that's, that's not going to actually harm them, right? There's this, there's this feeling of, you know, oh, they're there, and how can I have some levity, right? How can we practice that with one another? Uh, I noticed there, there was an article somewhere uh, about Sesame Street that I saw, I read, I think it was yesterday or maybe it was this morning, um, about the teachings of Sesame Street and how, um, yeah, I, I actually had the thought when I, when I read this article that parenting, parenting tips, working with small children, this is very helpful. These are very helpful uh, words of advice for how we take care of ourselves amidst anxiety and stress. Right? How do we find a way to be good parents to our inner children who are kind of freaking out, some of them, some of the time? Right? And so this developing this skill of how to be with ourselves and our own fears and anxieties, that translates into how do we be with others in the midst of their fears and anxieties. I don't know about you all, but sometimes I find that when the somebody else is stressed out or freaking out like that, or is in a crisis, that allows me to like, okay, I'm the one who needs to take on the role of not freaking out, right? It's, it's like, it actually supports me to ground, to be grounded. Um, if I'm, you know, with people who are not grounded, Whereas sometimes if people are very grounded, it's like that allows the part of me that's freaking out to be freaking out because I'm with people who can hold it. Um, and so, you know, this is that interconnection, one other, another face of the interconnection. Um, and how do we hold all of it, you know, internally, as well as in, in this world with one another? 
Oh, I see a question that, um, oh, it is a question that was also answered. Oh, wonderful. Thank you, Bruce. Um, the, another thing, just to say for the for the altar, I noticed the question came up on the from the chat about where to find people pictures of people's altars um, on the website, and you can send me your picture of your altar, and if you have words to describe your practice at home and how you find uh, how you make space for sitting at home, um, you can send those to me at mako at austinzencenter org, and we will uh, be collected into this. Uh, Excuse me, Marco. Yes, Tracy. This is, this is Tracy. Hello. And Hello. to everyone. Uh, I just want to thank you for a theme that I will take with me after we leave, uh, after we leave this meeting today, of uh, one that you return to throughout your talk this morning of how. That's been so helpful for me. You've repeatedly rephrased that, how do I, this invitation, how do I find a little kindness? How do I find a little space? How do I, that is the, that's the door for me. That creates the pause to create the conditions for for what's next that opens and it and yeah and it's one that one 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 continues to ask yeah great so um thing you might do is write the question on your hand <laughs> on your hand yeah oh <laughs> when you're stressed out or something happens, you can pause. You can use that as a as a way to pause. Good one. Yeah. Good one. Yeah, right on the hand, and it could be just with how dot 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 if and that that's a fill in the blank. Thank you. Hi, Marco. Okay. Hi. Um, I just wanted to take the opportunity to express my uh, compassion, uh, solidarity, uh, and understanding uh, to you and anyone else who's had to, uh, just like me as well, uh, address a large number of people through this little tiny window on your computer. <laughs> um, I did it with, a, you know, uh, I'm used to teaching for a classroom full of students, and then suddenly um, here I am at home with my laptop. Uh, and uh, yeah, it's very strange, very bizarre, because you're supposed to be delivering this energetic performance to nobody. Um, and so uh, at the very beginning, I asked my students to extend their understanding and compassion, not just to me, but to all of their professors, because none of us are YouTube stars. Uh, and so, uh, so if they could just be a bit forgiving about uh, you know, our, the quality of our presentation. Uh, but I've noticed that over time, it's getting better. I'm starting to feel like I'm actually talking to someone, even though they're not there for some strange reason. Uh, so it's something, it's a skill that you learn over time. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with you. And um, I, I have a... I don't like to be on video. I find that I've like resisted the, you know, like people have said for for a while, like why don't you live stream your dharma talks on video? And and I there's definitely like this 
no <laughs> feeling that comes up for me like no <laughs> and um you know i think that the cast out of the bag in a sense right like this is gonna who knows what the world has changed and obviously the world is always changing and yet there's some pretty significant changes that we don't yet know how they're going to uh, play out, but we're all part of it, right? We are all a part of history in the making right now. How do we want to use this time to ask some of the questions of like how things haven't been working or in our society, for example, right? It's a way to refresh our understanding of like, oh, well, this is how we do things because that's how we've always done them, right? When we think about going back to this, to a sense of normal, what's that normal? Can we be intentional about creating that normal, that new normal, right? As, we're, as we emerge, maybe, uh, maybe in a year from now, maybe longer, we don't know, but how do we take this as an opportunity to extend our practice into the world um, in a really wholesome and inclusive uh, way that is grounded in the principles of non-harming and of being of benefit, right? How do we take care of this world? Thank you for, uh, yeah, thank you for your understanding on, <laughs> yeah. I have learned and begun to chant the medicine Buddha mantra, but I haven't, what is it invoking, if you know which one I'm talking about? Well, which is the chant? Can you chant it? <laughs> well, I'll say it. Tayate. Translation? Um, yeah, that's what I was asking for. Ah, <laughs> uh, Stephen. Stephen says, to the Bhagavan, with equal compassion for all, whose name, when just heard, dispels lower realms, suffering, dispeller of disease and the three poisons, I prostate to medicine, Buddha, lapis, light. Thank, Thank you. Stephen. <laughs> so it's looking like it's um, after 11 now, so I think it's good to...